0: Are you seeking a better way to accelerate your sales, to scale your business, to live a life with no limits? Accelerate Sales Podcast features global experts who have cracked the code to recurring revenues with proven sales systems and get you on the fast track to scaling. Now let's accelerate your sales with today's episode.
1: Welcome to the Accelerate Sales Podcast. Great to have you here. You're gonna actually learn three key things today. So one, is why user-based content is much better than keyword-stacked algorithm-based content. Sounds obvious, but there's some points here that you've probably never heard before. The second is how do you get return on investment from your content? You're probably writing lots of LinkedIn posts, lots of articles, Well, you're going to find out how to actually get an ROI on those. And the third thing is how do you get into those top 5% of podcasts, actually even better than that, 0.05% of podcasts and how to do it. So welcome to the Accelerate Sales Podcast. It's your first time and you really enjoy the experience. Why not subscribe? And if you're a regular, always love those iTunes reviews. So send them now. You are always welcome to take notes. That's cool. But what we do is a summary of those we'll, you'll find in your podcast player. And then if you go to the um, website, Paul Higgins In the podcast section, there you'll also be able to get the full transcription. So, what and uh, sorry, the other thing is I look down, right? So, if I look down uh, and take notes while I'm listening to the guest, well, that's just so I can get those real nuggets of value for you in the show notes. So, who's our guest today? So, our guest today is someone who started a content. Agency. It's called Content Horse, and it really does focus on that ROI led content. And he supports some fantastic B2B SaaS businesses, but you uh, can also learn as a thought leader how to take these things and drive clients to you. And the other one is that he has a podcast agency called uh, PODINO, P O D I N O, and that is really helping people get in that top 0.05% of. Podcast to really expand their reach. So, what I'll do now is hand you over to Uri Durek from both contenthorse.com and podino.io. Wonderful to have you on the show, Ugi.
2: Thank you very much, Paul.
1: Yeah, I so as I, as I said in the intro, you know, you, you know a lot about two key topics that we all need to get better at, right? One is around content, and the other is I suppose, linked to content, but how do we get it out to more people through getting on great podcasts? So I'm uh, really excited to talk more about that today. But why don't we kick off with, especially from the content perspective, who are the clients that you love to work with?
2: Definitely. So uh, at my first ever agency, Content Halls, I would say most ideal uh, customer persona are B2B size companies uh, who have an established product market fit, so they know who is their audience, they have some existing users and their ideal, let's say, a revenue should be between like $500,000 to $5 million in a new recurring guy.
1: Great. And why that revenue sweet spot? Why, why have you picked that?
2: That's a great question. Well, first of all, because it's a, it's, let's say, the first indicator for us that their business makes sense. Right, so that they have a very stable user base and that they are able to, to grow. So that's the first thing. And the second thing, because we are uh, considering that we are very, very nar- narrowly positioned and we work only one thing and we are the best at it. We are a little bit more premium service. So not like some usual uh, all-in-one content marketing agencies. Uh, and yeah, so that's the price indicator that tells us that these companies have a budget for for our services.
1: Great, right. and and in their armory of of gaining new clients, right? Where where does sort of content sit? You know, is it uh, you know is it um, you know like uh, I, I don't know how you would do it, like, but on a percentage of leads, like you know how much is drawn from content versus some other activities that they're doing.
2: To be honest, like that depends from the case to case, right? So our mission is to create a content for them that brings them conversions, so not just some vanity metrics and organic traffic, but real real users who will pay for their product. And we really have different scenarios. For example, for some companies, content was the main driver of growth. Right? For, for some others, for example, we have uh, for response, for example, content represents like 10 to 20 percent of the, of the new user acquisition, but it's still huge. Right so it all it all depends usually if the company is uh, early stage so let's say their revenue is around 500k to 1 million in energy recurring revenue content uh agile content that we do will take between like at least 30 to 50% of the new of the new revenue
1: okay great and but it uh, yeah great and you you've done and and just quickly um, you gave it one example there, but just before we go into some of the problems that you helped solve, you know, yeah, give us some examples of what, you know, what's a 500 to 1 million, you know, SaaS company, you know, for, for someone that's sitting there and going, okay, B2B SaaS, I sort of understand it, but, you know, can you give some examples of uh, some of the clients that you,
2: you work with? Yeah, definitely. So, you know, in our portfolio, we have some really amazing SaaS companies, for example, GetResponse. Lamlist, uh, we helped Lamlist grow from zero to three million in annual recurring revenue in a year. Uh, Lampod popped in. Uh, Document three hundred and sixty. Uh, Sandspark, Userpilot, really, really a lot of great B two B size companies.
1: Great, and like I said, what are some of the the key problems that you help them solve?
2: Definitely. So especially for the, for the early stage, um, for the early stage companies, well, the main problem is always user acquisition. Like there are new competitors popping up literally every day and all of them are fighting for the same customers, right? Now what we are doing, we are using the content as a, a channel of, as a way to position our clients as the best solution for the dream customers. And specific use cases that they solve, right? Yes. So that user acquisition is the main is the main issue that we are solving right now. No.
1: Great, and and the content that you create, what sort of platforms does it go on? Like, um, yeah, well, where are you seeing the traction at the moment upon where people are actually looking at the content?
2: Definitely. So our our own bread and butter is the ROI-led content. So that means the content that's optimized for the conversions and the content that's aimed for people who are ready to buy our client solution right now, right? Uh, And the main channel are the blog posts. So that's a starting point for everything that we do. So the blog posts, but that's not where we finish our work. So after that, we do the distribution and we repurpose that one blog post to fit many other channels, such as social media, Instagram, Twitter. So we repurpose our content into the Twitter threads, for example, LinkedIn posts, videos sometimes even. Uh, then we also distribute in another platforms such as Quora, Reddit, uh, Indie Hackers, Growth Hackers, Hacker News, whatever.
1: Yeah, great. And, and for each of those platforms, you know look this is probably a bit of a loaded question right but but are you you know uniquely repurposing the content for the platform or is it more you know some platforms get the 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 change but others you just you know basically uh, don't change it
2: no we are we are adapting content for literally every platform because uh, every platform has its own type of content right so for example Instagram will, we, we'll for example, repurpose one article into three to five Instagram carousels, Yes, right? But we can't use that to share on LinkedIn because audience on LinkedIn is more sophi- sophisticated. So we need a little bit more actionable, something more in-depth there. Uh, on the other side, like Twitter audience, they, they like something that's super crisp, that's super straight to the point. While the LinkedIn audience, for example, appreciates stories and storytelling more right i mean some principles some psychology principles are same for almost every platform like for for example how how to hook readers is the same for everything but the content format and the content style is different from platform to platform and we adapt our clients content to fit and personalize each of those platforms separately
1: yeah great and uh, you know linkedin in particular that's probably the channel that uh, we focus on the most when i say we it's you know my clients probably you who's watching and listening to this now and and myself and you know we've seen you know there's always the algorithm change right and we'll get into the algorithm uh, a little bit more in a moment about google algorithm but on the linkedin algorithm we've really seen that text based posts and videos have have really declined at the expense of polls and uh, carousels. So that's what we're experiencing at the moment. What are you seeing for, for the content that uh, you're doing for your clients?
2: Well, I should say that you should definitely um, follow the latest trends. So uh, as you said, like we, are, we are seeing that uh, pools and carousels on LinkedIn are definitely performing way better than texts and videos. I mean, te- text was great two, three years ago, but right now, Yes. Uh, you need to adapt yourself, yeah. right? Uh, so yeah, definitely people should follow on, uh, should follow the chance. However, uh, I've also noticed that LinkedIn became full of uh, not so high quality people as it used to be. Yes. Right. Yes. And uh, we started seeing a lot of fluffy content on LinkedIn. Uh, a lot of people like to call it a shit posting. Yes. Right. Uh <laughs> I mean that, that's something that we really can see these days. So my just uh I would like to ask all the people who are listening to this: if you're making pools, don't make stupid pools <laughs> yes. Make something that's like really level relevant to the business, to your audience, to problems that you solve, to your I don't know, uh strong takes, beliefs, something like that. Don't just make the polls for the sake of making polls and breaching. 100,000 unqualified people it's better to be heard by 1,000 qualified ones than the 100,000 unqualified
1: yeah and is there any tips you've got to to you know improve the quality of a post you know is there a certain amount of hashtags is there always ask her questions like what's your little bits of nuggets nuggets of gold when you're doing posts for your clients
2: To be honest, like even for every type of content that you write, I'm not a person who has some strict uh, step-by-step checklists. Yeah. Right. So I'm not someone who will tell you, in each LinkedIn post, you need to have at least five hashtags. In like, uh, you need to mention your focus keyword 30 times in an article. No. Uh, For me, like everything is based on uh, clear psychology. Right. So first of all, uh, if you're writing a LinkedIn post. Uh, you need to hook people with the first sentence, right? So the first sentence needs to be something that's really groundbreaking. So something, uh, some, some let's say, strong beliefs uh, and the feeling that a person who reads your post should have after they read that first sentence. Besides, uh, of course, that first sentence will engage them to read further through the post. But after that first sentence, they need to say, for themselves wow this post is going to change the way i look at the world yes right uh, so that's something that you want to unleash in your in your visitor's mind so have a very strong hook and to have a very strong hook of course it's to uh, share your strong beliefs uh find the enemies so for example you, you took a look at the content host website Right. And uh, we at Content halls we have an enemy. And our enemy is content and blog posts that are written for Google, not for the users. Yes. Right. And many things that we do on, on social uh, are tied to that enemy. Right. So we are fighting that enemy on, on social, and that helps us stand out. So definitely, first, have a, have a great hook is the first thing. Uh, second, second thing: when you're watching some TV show, yeah. right, uh, and you 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 notice that uh, almost at the end of each episode, there there is something uh, gra- groundbreaking uh, happening that just forces you to listen to the to to watch the next episode as well, right? Yes. So your questions are left unanswered, and that's the way how you should structure your. Uh, posts blog posts copy on the website whatever as well right uh so after they're reading each line they need to have questions and you can't answer them the the place to answer them is either at the top of at the bottom of the post yeah. or after they perform a certain action that you want them to perform right whether yeah. that's like to leave you an email join your newsletter schedule a call with you literally whatever that's the third thing don't Show all of your cards immediately, uh, and at the end, as always, the post should have some call to action. Yes. That can be as simple as re- if you, for example, if you found this post useful, we we'll share it so other people can can see it, right? Or for example, in LinkedIn's case, uh, what we used to do and are still doing, uh, we are launching the articles, for example, on LinkedIn, and. Uh, there was one article that really performed great. Uh, it, it got me like 100,000 views. And at that time, I had like 1,000 connections. Uh, but the, the post where, where I launched the article had around seven or 800 comments, something mm-hmm. like that. And essentially, the call to action for that post was just leave a comment and I will send you this exclusive article in the message. Right? Yes. And 100 people... Commented on that post, even though that post was live or, or on our client site. Like if they just typed our client's name slash blog, they, they would see that that blog post there, right? But they eight hundred people leave the leave the comment. We got one hundred thousand reach and six hundred people read that our article one day after publishing, just from that one post.
1: Yeah, I so think that's
2: always have a, a clear CTA.
1: Yeah, I think that's so true and you know and I think you know similar thing Facebook and LinkedIn I think you know we are compelled to do that right? Do you want this and most people will say yes. Now, you know, not everyone reads it, right? But then if the right ideal client says yes, well then obviously you can follow up with them and it's a great way to break the ice of of getting in. Now, um this uh you know uh, on your website which you know, we'll give the URL at the bottom and everyone needs to go have a look at it. Well, it's contenthorse.com, right? And you talk about this, the and you just spoke about then the enemy, right? Like, so content created for Google algorithm versus for users. So just tell me or tell us a little bit more about what you mean by that.
2: Yeah, definitely. So like literally 99% of articles that I read on the web are first, are the SEO first? So like Google first, then the user second. Yeah. Uh, and that's a shop where many content marketeers and writers fail, right? So they need they they think that the main goal for this article is to rank first on Google. And okay, like that, that is important, but what are you gonna do after that? Right? So if you write an for article for Google. And you manage to rank first and the traffic starts, organic traffic really starts coming in. Like what happens, right? People will not be able to connect themselves with your story, right? They will open your article, scroll to it, see that article is not skimmable at all. They won't find anything valuable. You are not providing any key takeaways because your content looks like, looks similar to, 99% of the other articles targeting the same keyword, and they will leave. You have no conversions. You have high bounce rates. After two or three months, Google will punish you and remove that article from the first spot. And that's the most usual scenario. Alternative is to write article for the users. When I say that, first off, I mean don't um, over-optimize your article for the SEO. So you you don't need to bold every focus keyword that you have. (laughs) (laughs) I've really seen articles. I opened an article and there is like, for example, they're they're targeting keyword, I don't know, email marketing best examples. And uh, I did a CTRL app in an article of like 2,000 words. They mentioned exact phrase, email marketing best examples, like 50 times. And each time that keyword was bolded. Like a big no, yeah. really, really big no. Um, th- that just turns people away, honestly. like So the main goal of the article, and I always started that, is to either convert or raise your awareness and get some top of the funnel leads that will leave you their email, right? So that is the main goal of the article. And in order to accomplish that, our article needs to be optimized for users. What I mean by that. First off, you need to know what's the intent behind a certain keyboard that people type in Google, right? <laughs> uh, you need to know what are the problems that they are trying to solve by reading your article. And then you need to solve that problem for them. The article that you write uh, and what I'm trying to do. So whatever article that you write, we literally aim to write the best article on the web for that given subject, because that is the only way uh, when when that article will rank, only if it's the best for that keyword, right? Um, article needs to be skimmable. A lot of people don't have time here living in a very, very busy world. So article needs to before all be skimmable and then to have a clear and actionable takeaways for the readers, right? Yeah. So it needs to solve their, their problem, provide the value, and leave them with a clear steps and takeaways that they need to do in order to solve their problem, right? Because if you do that, uh, you're, you're creating a very special connection with the reader, even if you don't know them, right? But you solve the problem, they will remember you. So even if they don't convert right now, if your article, if the goal of that article is not to convert, they will remember you on the next time when they experience something similar, Therefore, for example, directly go to your, they will skip the Google search at all. And they will go through your website and try to search a solution for that website, for that problem in your website, or they will sign up for your tool. Right? So the buying cycle today is not is not like this. Yes. It's definitely not like this. It's like this. Yeah. Right? <laughs> yes. So that, that, those are the benefits of the use of Of course, it still needs to be quite a little bit optimized for the SEO. So the Google will know that it needs to crawl that article and rank it for, for, for that exact keyword, right? But to be honest, like uh, the only checklist that in, we can host have regarding on-site test optimization is just like use the focus keyword in the headline, uh, use the focus keyword in the URL of the article and mention that keyword a couple of times inside the article but naturally, don't force anything, right? So that's literally, of course, like minimize the size of the images, but that's that's something else, yes. right? Uh, so that's literally all everything that we do. And, yeah, and, and 30, sorry. 40% of our content ranks first on Google.
1: Right, that's brilliant. And sorry, the link to other uh, articles on your site, is that? You know, a plus or a minus to do that. Let's say you've got a you know a key article. Um, I don't know a pillar article, right? And then you're linking it to other articles that you've done in your site. Is that something that that works well or, or, or doesn't work?
2: That that's a plus. That, I mean, that's a must. Yeah, that's a must. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so, uh, that, that's a matter of matter. Of course, like internal link building is important. So you need to. Uh, connect mutually uh, similar uh, web pages on, on your website, right? Yeah. Uh, because that's the way of adding additional value to your readers without going too broad. Mm-hmm. And, of course, also like uh, links that go out of your website, so to other websites, they're also important because they mean that you are taking content from some other websites with bigger domain authority and quality than yours. Never link to some spammy or fishy websites yeah, because that, that will just create a contra effect, but link to some popular authority resources in your field.
1: Yeah, great. And I know you talk a lot about ROI-led content. So what does ROI-led content mean?
2: Yeah, definitely. So as you mentioned at the beginning, like ROI-led content marketing, I mean, that's the term that we coined. So that's our term. Yeah. Uh, our category we are creating our own category yeah. <laughs> joking like the ari-led content is a content that is optimized for conversions and for the users right uh that means that ari content led content is its purpose its main goal is directly to bring you new customers now not the customer specifically but uh, depending on your business model, either that's trial accounts, demo booked, free accounts, whatever. It's the first step in the app funnel, right? Uh, that's that's the goal. Uh, and I mean, like, not the paying customers, because if you have a trial, and whether someone will convert from a trial user to a paying user, that doesn't depend on content. Like, that's more of in-app onboarding, product itself, and so on. So the trials or the free users, booked demos, whatever. Uh, So, yeah, that's the ROI-led content. ROI-led content, its purpose is to drive you more customers and more conversions. And in the nutshell, it generally targets people, uh, high-intent leads, high-intent people who are ready to buy solution-like your medias.
1: Yeah, great. For the context. Yeah, and your view on, you know, Google youtube search like have you seen much of a switch between more people now searching on youtube versus uh google i know that google you know obviously youtube is searchable on uh google but you know people have you seen any switches between people you know video watching versus uh, uh reading content is that the same is it more going towards video what's your perspective on that
2: specifically I mean, I would say it depends on the topic, right? So, for example, uh, now, we are doing an ICP research for every client that we work on, right? And we do that by by interviewing 10 10 of their existing customers. And one question that we always ask is, like, what type of content do we prefer? Like text or video? 90% of the people says text. Yeah, okay. Uh, So... I think written form of the content is still there uh, and it's still better than YouTube, than video. But again, it depends on the topic, right? So for example, if I am right now uh, searching on how to, let's say, how to crop some image, right? Yes. I would go over to the video because I have a visual example of how to do it. And like, it's easier than reading a text, yes. right? But in a lot of cases, like videos are too long, um, you're reading faster, right? Especially for the busy people. So I think there is no there is no clear winner. It depends on the topic.
1: Yeah. Okay. Brilliant. Now I know you got two businesses. You obviously got Content Horse, which is a fantastic agency we spoke about. But you've also got uh, Podino, which is about getting people on the top 0.05 percent of podcasts so i've got two key questions one is what's how do you get people on those uh top 0.05 percent? and the second is does it really matter like do your guests get significant difference from being in the top 0.05 versus being in the the,
2: the rest yeah definitely so let me answer the second question first yeah uh so we don't necessarily always bring people on the top 0.5 percent of the podcasts Right. Uh, what we do, so our goal there is to bring people on the podcasts that are full of their dream customers and high-intent audience. Yes. Right? So that is the goal. Uh, usually, of course, first of all, we aim to bring them on the biggest podcast in their niche yes. because like, it's better to be heard by 50K people than 1,000 people. Yeah. But if we need to choose between a podcast that has like 500 listeners per episode, but five hundred super high quality visitors, and uh, five hundred thousand visitors who are not qual- qualified ones, will always choose the smaller one. Yeah. Right, because quality always comes before quantity. Right. Yeah. So as I said, like we we'll try to target podcasts that are the most quality ones for our clients that are full of the dream customers and usually we always start with those like top 1 to 5% podcasts in the world. Uh the reason for that is because like for example, we, we just had one uh we got from one of our podcast partners a screenshot on the the number of downloads listeners uh of three of our clients and on average each of those episodes was heard by 35,000 people. Like that that's a really huge number. Yeah. Right? Uh I mean like that's probably the bigger number than if you speak on the biggest conference in the world.
1: Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Right,
2: so on, on conferences you have like 5,000 10,000 people, right? Yeah. But here 35,000 people, that's really really huge. And not just it that's that's not the same as if you have a 35k reach on Facebook. Yes, yes. Right? Because on Facebook like people spend 5 seconds reading your your post or just scroll down. But here you you're you're all ears for like 30 minutes one up. Yes. Right? Uh, so it's the, an equivalent of like having one million views, okay, something like that. Uh, so yeah, we are definitely targeting the most high quality podcast for for the clients. Now let me answer your first question. You know it yourself. Like podcast hosts are getting hundreds of pitches each day. Yes. Right. And to be honest, like ninety nine percent of those pitches uh, are not that good ones. Yes. Right. So the way to stand out and bring people on the great podcasts first of all you need to have a story to tell right so the hosts even on the biggest podcast in the world they have a problem and that's creating a high quality content and they need people with stories yes. right so you need to have a secret knowledge you need to have some golden nuggets, golden gems, right, that you are willing to share with the world. So something that you know, but no one else does. Yes. Right. So for example, we have one client, Stefan. I don't know if he was on your podcast or not. Uh he's the CEO of Expanding. They like grew from zero to five million dollars in annual recruiting revenue in like 15 months. Right? That that's a super big growth. Yeah. Like we at Lamlis grew Lemrian from zero to three million in 12 months. And that's still great. Yes. But Stefan, Stefan like cracked the game. Yeah. Right. And yeah, that's and, a story. And just
1: quickly on that, Stefan is a future guest. So he'll be not that many episodes after you. So
2: <laughs> that, that's great. uh But yeah, like that, that one story is something that 50 podcasts so far wanted to hear. Right. So first off, you need to have something worth telling, something worth yeah. listening. Yeah. Uh, the second thing is, if you don't have a relationship with uh, pod- podcast hosts, right, you need to do an outreach, of course. Uh, and uh, as I said earlier, like hundreds of people, thousands of people are doing outreach to podcast hosts each day. And especially those high quality podcasts like, like yours, Paul, are getting like 50, 100 plus pitches a day. So it's really hard to stand out. Yes, honestly. Uh, And the way to do that is, please just don't write something like, I enjoyed listening to your episode. Because podcast hosts know it's a bullshit. Yes, (laughs) yes. Uh, You need to provide a really, really, uh, you need to write a really personalized email. You need to show that you care about that podcast and you need to do your research. Like It doesn't make sense pitching something that that particular podcast covered Two, three, five times already. Yes. Right. You need to be unique, and like that's ninety-five percent of the of the job. Doing uh, having a great story worth telling, and doing a research and personalizing your email above first name, and I listen to your episode. Right. Be be creative. Right. So that that's some, sometimes all it takes. Yeah, Don't be yeah. too lazy. It's better to reach out. So, as you know, uh per one client. Uh, we really don't send more than 20 emails a month. Yes. Really. And from those 20 emails, we get like three to four podcast bookings. Yes. But each of those emails, we spend like 30 minutes, 45 minutes crafting each of those emails. Yes. Of course, like the, the entire process of sending emails is uh, automatic. We're We're using tools for that. But we are spending like 45 minutes personalizing each email. Why? Because at the end of the day, we are the ones who are maintaining our clients' reputation and uh, image, right? Yes. If you send us spammy, fish email, that's bad. That's yeah. really bad. Yeah. Right? We care about their their brand, and that's that's the way to go. With the-
1: yeah. Look, and I've got a quick story. Um, so on your who you represent or what podcast you've got people on, you've got and- Andrew Warner for Mixergy, which is great. So. My quick story is doing the research. I also added value, so I didn't want to get on that podcast, but I had a friend who wanted to get on that podcast. So you know, I listened to Andrew's podcast. So Andrew, if you're watching or listening to this, keep it up. It's great. So I listened, and every time I heard something that his producer may have missed, or something that I know that he may not go back and listen to, I just said, "Hey, Andrew," you know, connected with him on. um, on Facebook Messenger. And I basically just said, Hey, there's this, right? So he could see a pattern of me adding value. Right. And then I, you know, I said to him, look, I've got this guest. He's so this is their proposition, something unique. He, all the things that you just said. And they got on the show. So I think, you know, that's a way of doing it. If, you know, like I definitely recommend Padino if to, to use someone like Oogie as a service. But if you want to do it yourself and you do want to get on some podcasts, it may not be an Andrew Warner size, but, you know, just add some value, right? And okay. every podcast has got things that they wish they could improve, right? It might be the sound quality, whatever, but they don't always go back and listen to it. So I think that's a real tip that's, um, that's worked for me. So we could talk forever on content and podcasts, but we've got to keep it nice and tight so everyone else can go back to, to work. But uh, what we're going to do now is go into some just some sales habits, that help you be really successful yourself in your own agency, Ugi? So the first one is, you know, what are those sales habits that help you to accelerate your sales?
2: Definitely. By the way, before I just answered that, uh, yeah. when we were talking about Andrew, just to mention like Andrew told us that email outreach, uh, email that we sent him is the best email that he ever got in his, in his like 10 plus years podcasting career. So Well, there you go. Uh, so, so
1: you're the best email and I'm the best, Messenger. So we've uh, we've covered two platforms.
2: <laughs> Definitely. Anyway, the sales habits. Um, so to be honest, like that's pretty pretty hard having some fixed habits right now because I have a six month baby. Yeah. Okay. Uh, but still doesn't sleep at night, really. Uh, so, but yeah, some things that I really try to keep on every every single day is um, writing at least one tweet. Uh, one tweet on Twitter and I'm trying to write as much on LinkedIn as well. So that that's the first thing. And the second thing, the way how I do sales for content is, is a daily habit. Right? As you yeah. said. Uh, so what I'm doing, I'm finding some really high quality prospects for us yeah. and doing the research without yes. expecting yes. anything in return. So I invest like 30 minutes of my time each day to find some missing opportunities for, for one company, some growth ideas, and then I take, uh, I use Sandspark to record a video of yep. myself and the screen, uh, send it over, really without expecting anything in return, and it brings at least like one to two clients a month or in two months, uh, it depends, but it's really brought us a lot of a lot of leads. Uh, and when you're doing like one a day and invest like 30 minutes in it, it's not a lot of work. Like If I'm going to prepare a sequence with like 50 prospects inside, I'll need like three or four days just for that. And that's too much. Yes, right? yes. Especially as a founder of two agencies, I'm dealing with like 30 different things each day. Plus changing the diapers 10 times a day, right? <laughs> <laughs> so, but yeah, that that's one habit post the Twitter and the LinkedIn, because um, especially if you're selling something that's high ticket, something that's expensive, and when I say expensive, I mean like bigger than, in the service business, bigger than 2 a month, or yes. in the SaaS, bigger than like uh, $400, $500 a month. Yes. Uh, in order to reduce your sales cycle, like people need to have trust in you before they even schedule a call with you. Right, yes. right because if they have trust uh closing them will be 10 times easier and you're building that trust and you're building uh th- th- they are building an affinity towards you by engaging on your with your content and they will engage with your content if you have something worth telling on social media yeah so yeah, yeah those are the let's say two or three i'm also trying to write each day so i used to be a content writer i'm a entrepreneur right now yes but i'm still trying to keep that habit by writing at least 200 300 words a day uh of course sometimes i miss that But that, that's the goal on the paper to do on the paper
1: yeah yeah and and look and i think um. so sense spark uh which will have all the links in the show notes but sensepark is a video platform and and we, we're testing that and we use a couple of others as well but yeah i think that video message is uh is is fantastic and i think you know um, you know, that's not everyone's doing it, right? Like how many video messages you get in your inbox a day that's personalized for you, right? Not many, right? Exactly. So exactly. once again, fish fish in the blue ocean rather than the red ocean. So uh, the last question, Ugi, is around one thing. So what's one thing that we can take out of this podcast to help us 10 times our sales?
2: Well, the easiest one, definitely, and the long-term ones I really love and praise long-term strategies rather than short-term ones. Invest in the ROI lab content. But not not because I want to promote myself, right? So, yeah. But like, identify those keywords uh, that have a really small search volume. Yeah. Right? And where category leaders, like for example, you know, MailChimp, MailChimp, HubSpot, et cetera, they don't want to compete on that because they will get like, what? 50 visitors a month. Yes. But those 50 visitors turn in 10 new clients. Yes. Each month. Yes. If you do it. Right, right? So yes. invest in those like a high intent keywords. Uh, I don't know. For example, like email marketing software for, for fashion retail businesses. Right. Yes. It's a super long tail keyword. Uh like 20 people a month will have searches for that. But if you rank there and you provide a solution to them, position yourself as the best email marketing software for fashion retail businesses, you will have 10 conversions. Yeah. right? And repeat this with like 10, 15 different keywords. Like we really have, uh, for example, some uh, situations where, for example, one article we wrote three years ago, really three years, is still on Google. And for three years straight, that one article is bringing around 50 demo calls a month.
1: Yeah, brilliant.
2: Just that one article that we charge our clients just once.
1: Yes, yes.
2: So I think that's really something that most people underestimate. uh, But it's a very, very great long term. Definitely a very great long
1: term. Yeah, look. That's fantastic advice. And you've given so much advice, and we'll have a summary in the show notes, and I'll talk about that more on the outro. But uh, it's been wonderful having you on and uh, two key things. So one is you can go to contenthorse.com. The other one is you can go to Podino, so P-O-D-I-N-O.I.O. to find out more about both content. And the other is how to get on those podcasts. And most importantly, Ugi is actually given anyone that mentions that they come from the Accelerate Sales podcast, they'll actually get an extra 10% off. So uh, so that's a fantastic offer for you. But, you know, look, I think if you, um, some of the principles, you may not be a SaaS business, right? Some of you are, but you may not be a SaaS business. But I do think the principles that played, that Ugi spoke about today are very, very Uh, important for you. So uh, even go back and uh, listen or watch this again, because I think there's uh, lots of uh, nuggets, as he said. All right. So uh, Ugi, uh, brilliant having you on. Uh, You've got to go change a diaper. So uh, thanks (laughs) for being a guest today.
2: Thank you very much, Paul. It was my pleasure.
1: I really enjoyed that interview with Ugi and I hope you did as well. He shared lots of value and the great thing is he did give you a 10% discount. So if you mention this podcast to him, he's got a great video on his website. So go and have a look at that. That's on the, the content horse.com. Uh, it's fantastic. And actually you could take some of that and learn from that plus everything else that he gave today. So why not share what you learn, and why not share it on your socials and let Ugi know. So his name and his links will be once again in those summary show notes, but yeah, shout, give him a shout out. Thank him for what you've learned and what action you've taken. Also, if there's other people within your group that you know want to improve their content or maybe get on podcasts, why not share it with them? Okay, they will love you for it. They'll think you're an absolute rock star. So check out some of our solo shows as well where I um, use specific topics and dive into them with story-based content like Ugi said to really help you to accelerate your sales. And what I want you to do is please take Take action to accelerate your sales.
0: I'm fired up after today's episode. What about you? But hey, before you go, learning is just one piece of the puzzle. Now it's time to put today's strategy into action. Head over now to today's show page at paulhigginsmentoring.com forward slash podcast and share how you'll put it into action. Be sure to head over to your favorite podcast platform and subscribe, rate, and review the show. Tell me what your favorite episode is, and don't wait one minute more to gain access to your pulse check at paulhigginsmentoring.com. This could be the difference between struggling to get more leads and making this next quarter your best one yet.